Prepare to be captivated by the business story of the week, hosted by me, Shaheen Shan. Join us on a journey through the twists and turns of entrepreneurial triumphs and setbacks. Immerse yourself in the narrative and witness the magic that turns dreams into reality. This is Business Story of the Week. And welcome back once again here in Business Story of the Week. I am Joshua. I am your co-host. And today, like we always do, we uncover stories of entrepreneurship, business success, innovation, and, you know, people persevering through struggles and, you know, finding that that success towards the end of that goal. And our guest today is no stranger to struggle. In fact, we need to get into her story a bit more because I know that everyone will love a bit more inspiration today and they will find it, I assure you, with Tanya. Tanya, starting out at age 25, Tanya Alvarez self-funded her first New York ad agency using credit cards and achieved zero to one million in revenue in the first year. Along the way, she traveled to 42 countries, all while battling a rare brittle bone condition. We need to talk about that, right? Tanya Alvarez is on a mission to help you own your life, not just your business. Through Owners Up, she aims to empower you to win at work without losing at home. What a lovely line. Utilizing facilitated accountability sprints to scale your business sanely, keyword, and enable you to live your ideal life now. Tanya, there is a lot I would love to unravel with that. But first of all, thank you for joining us today. You look lovely. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Um, Tanya, I, I, I love starting these things, you know, at the very start. Where did the journey begin, right? So there's always this um, struggle with startups. And most of the question that they always ask is like, um, what led you here, right? So you started your ad agency at age 25. Um, you self-funded it, basically. And if that is if not an, an impressive feat on its own. Could you share to us like what motivations and challenges you face along the way in those early days? And really what drove you to take that, such a bold step, you know, that very first bold step? Yeah, absolutely. So it comes down to my mother. My uh, mother immigrated from Colombia to the right. US and she raised mm-hmm. four of us. And here I was, I graduated from Wellesley College and the typical route is either management consulting, doctor, um, investment banker, all of those. But I still wanted to work at a startup. So I worked for startups, did any role you can imagine. And then at 25, I was like, I think I'm ready to start my own thing. And okay. I was a little nervous like everybody. But then I was like, should I do it? And I was a little hesitant. And then I, I asked my mother, I was like, should I do my own thing? And she's like, yeah, why wouldn't you do it? You're I was like, well, what happens if I fail? And she goes, you'll be exactly where you are now working for somebody. And I was like, okay, that's true. And then I was like, well, what happens if nobody wants to hire me because I failed? And she's like, you wouldn't want to work for a company like that. And then I just went for it. And to remind you that nobody in my family, if I failed, nobody was going to back me out of this. I didn't have savings. I didn't have anything. I just went for it. Sheer determination and credit Uh cards. I funded my business on credit cards in the beginning. And then wow. just 
worked it and got it to over a million within the first year. And a little bit of like being um, naive and just in the sense of like, I didn't know what to do exactly, but I knew that if I kept going, a lot of people, they don't make a decision. Once you can make a decision, you can always correct it. But if you keep Mm -hmm. going humming and hawing on what kind of decision you should make, that's where you get stuck. And then you're in the same spot. I, I, I love that because I watched your episode with Paul Higgins and you said the same thing. You said you help people get unstuck and, you know, like not making decisions based on scarcity mode. And these are, I feel like, very essential skills and fundamental to startups, to entrepreneurs and exactly the type of stories that our audiences love hearing, love listening. Um, but I, I'd like to go a little back with your um, health challenges, right? We need to talk about that a little bit. So you're balancing this high achievement and your health challenges. Um, you've achieved a remarkable milestone in both in professional life and your personal endeavors. Um, you've ran a half Ironman, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. right? And you well, you did this while, while uh, with a rare health condition, a brittle bone disease. How did this experience shape your approach to resilience, to determination, to now, you know, like converting that and applying it into startups? But first, tell us about that bone condition. What happened there, and how did how did how were you able to run those marathons with that health condition? Yeah. So in my family, we have a rare bone disease called osteogenesis imperfecta, which is brittle bones. Basically, our bones okay. can break very easily. The levels could be that um, the most severe is when a baby's in the womb, is there starts breaking mm-hmm. bones, and then within three days after they die. So that's the oh most my. severe. And then another level would be my oldest sister, who uh-huh. has always been using a wheelchair and has broken over 200 bones. And I would say mine is the least severe, where okay. I've only broken two bones. But my bones, uh, luckily for me, that... I've been working out and just, just the level I got that they're still strong, but not as strong as, um, you know, yours or anybody else's. So mine mm-hmm. would be like at an age of a 70 year old. So to me, it's wow. really important fitness. So when I, I, I always knew that maybe I had it, but until I ran actually the 70.3 Ironman is when I discovered mm-hmm. I had it. Mm-hmm. I fractured, I had a hairline fracture in my hip. And I was walking to work. I lived in New York City and it was a mile to work and I loved walking. And there was a first time that, um, you know, I've done Boston, I've done the New York Marathon and mm-hmm. my employees were like, hey, Tanya, I've never seen you pop an ibuprofen. Every time in the morning you're popping your ibuprofen, you need to go to a doctor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. So, I, you know, they observed me. That's always good to have that perspective. And then I found out I had a fracture and then I found out my right. severity. Right. And um, all those journeys, but yeah. But the good thing about this, there's always good and bad. One is, Mm -hmm. you know, my sister just turned 54 and most of the people that are her level have already passed away. So I knew very early on that life, there wasn't anything promised tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. And to live my life today. And so she's always been an amazing inspiration. So I go back to how fortunate I am to have, even though we came from a low-income household, 
But that whole mentality, I think that anybody, no matter what income level you are, it's all in your mindset and what you can achieve. Mm-hmm. It's like that mm-hmm. passion, the perseverance and people who are, who are pushing you and encouraging you forward. That's ideal. Right. Where sometimes you're in a family and they mm-hmm. love you, but they might mm-hmm. be like, don't do that in entrepreneurship. Like you're going to fail or you need that security. There's more people mm-hmm. in that situation than the situation of people like, yeah, it's go for your dreams, you know? <laughs> Tanya, I love that what you said, live your life today. And of course, in the journey that you've had, you, you've mastered resilience, so to speak. And that's something that that is, again, like you cannot, I feel like you cannot succeed as an entrepreneur with that kind of fire burning inside you. And I feel like this is, what helps you what i'm just i'm just very 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 impressed that you found out your your brittle bone disease your rare bone disease during a marathon during ironman and you still persevered you still succeeded through that you still finished the thing and i, I cannot be more impressed by that um which i think is a perfect time to kind of lead us through this kind of your transition towards owners up, right? Because it feels like your ability or your journey to empower yourself is now what you're doing through owners up. You're empowering entrepreneurs to achieve this work-life fusion is what you said, work-life fusion for long lifelong fulfillment. Um, can you dig deep a little bit into this for us? Can you delve into how this philosophy came to be? And of course, it's related to your story and why it is crucial for entrepreneurs today. Yeah, I think that you can hustle and you will burn out, right? Yes. And at the end of the day, we all sign up for an entrepreneurship to make an impact and mm-hmm. have freedom. But the mm-hmm. thing that most people don't tell you is... You don't get that freedom in the beginning. And if you don't design it correctly, you're a prisoner to your own business. Yep, yep. And so you kind of need others to remind you why you signed up because you can get lost in the hustle. So my first business, I wanted to travel. And that was probably the best thing for me since I didn't have any like role models or anything that Mm -hmm. I would go away for two weeks um, in June and then two weeks or three, almost four weeks around the December to new years. And that okay. allowed me to trust my team and unplug totally. So I would be going to wow, places wow. like Peru, hiking Machu Picchu, where there was like barely any internet connection, especially back then. So that allowed me to get everything done and make sure my company worked without me. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. also help me like move up like my team. A lot of people hire people, but they don't allow them to be leaders. Right. Yes. And I had no choice. Right. I needed to travel. The emergency happened. I need to make sure that I had the systems and people in place to make it happen. So I think about mm-hmm. that a lot. And um, with owners up, what we do is we make sure that not only are you hitting your goals, but you have a business that you enjoy. And so right. we do that with a group of people. So we have five people, we put them in a group and then there's a coach on there. And in the beginning of the call, we always make sure that in the beginning of the month, actually, we review your goals 
And mm-hmm. then we make sure that you're aligned with your values. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of people, we have values, but we don't audit. Like if our goals meet our values, it's exactly. the next shiny object thing or the next thing that mm-hmm. grabbed our attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this really is a great segue to what you do behind the scenes in owners up because I, again, I read, I watched a lot of your testimonials and the biggest thing that they mentioned there is the accountability. So apart from, you know, apart from having your team around you, whom you were able to trust, whom you were able to see like, oh, my business can run on its own. All I have to do is trust them, trust them that they are good leaders. But it's also a perfect example, you know, that you have a team looking after you like, hmm, you keep popping that ibuprofen, you probably need yeah. to <laughs> you probably need to get checked. And, and that there's some care there. There's a lot of affection there. Um, but I feel like more importantly, one of the pillars of ownership is accountability. So you said you had like five people in a group and then there's a coach in there. And that also... Yes that also I that not only an accountability with the goals, but accountability to values. I, I want to dig that into that a bit more. Tell us a bit about that. Um, what are the common values and principles that um, that are important? And how does this accountability work? Where did this dynamic come from where you gather a group of people and make sure you assign a coach with them? How did that go about? Yeah, so how it went started is here I was training for the Boston Marathon. And even though I've been a collegiate athlete and I was a runner, I still joined a team and a coach. Because when you join a marathon, you do one of these races. In the beginning, you're excited. But right around Mm -hmm. then, it gets really hard. You could get the mileage, Mm -hmm. the training, everything. Mm -hmm. So it reminds me just of starting a company. And then you need peers who understand what they're like, what you're going through and helping you navigate that at the same time as they're going through it. And then you mm-hmm. need a coach that, co- that course corrects you and like reminds you like how to go differently. Like if you need to, to do this better, all these blind spots. So I was like, wow, I really need this as a business. Why don't business owners have this? And that's how it was created. Now the thing about it, a lot of people talk about community and mastermind. I feel mm-hmm. like community, Right. And so what that means is you can get lost. So if you notice, if you join a community, it's the same 10% of people engaging and having conversation. Everybody else are lurkers. You're in school. The same thing happened. It's the same 10% 10 of people, even less participating. Mm -hmm. That's just natural. YouTube, everywhere you go, it's the same 10% of people. So then what happened to the other people? We all kind of get lost. We just observe. We take advice Mm -hmm. and assume that that advice applies to us. So what I needed is to have a community, for me, a small community I can trust in a group. So it could be a big community, but you're in small. So I'm able to actually kind of share what's really going on in my life, in my business, in an intimate Mm -hmm. group. And then so people can cheer me on. And the most important part is hold me accountable. So the thing is, nobody wants to be held accountable. As a business owner, that's the greatest thing. But what ends up happening is we focus on things that we're comfortable in it's our default Mm. mode and we're Mm. not doing the things that move the needle because we can always justify it because we're the boss Mm -hmm. exactly that's that's such a great way to frame it because 
these are actions that you need to be taking. And that's why no, no one would want to be held accountable, but it's the actions, it's these things that move the needle, right? That's, I love that. And I love how that you said that you have this small group, an intimate, small community that keeps you in line, that keeps you together. And I want to circle that back a little bit when you say about uh, work-life fusion for a lifelong fulfillment, right? It's, it's the key to burnout and being overwhelmed. Um, it, it just feels like whenever we talk about like, you know, life-work balance, you know, work-life fusion, like you said, it's almost always like, what are you doing for yourself, right? Like, how are you balancing that life? How are you doing these, all these other things? But I feel like the aspect of having this intimate circle around you isn't talked about enough. I feel like that is a part of the work-life fusion. That is a part of the work-life balance of having these people keeping you accountable. And again, it's not just accountability. This That's the important part. It's the affection. It's the care. Um, I, I, I really want to that's dig into that a bit. Board, right? Exactly. Really I want yeah. yeah. And it's hard to find them, right? How do you get mm -hmm. them? How do you get them? How do you get them? Please. <laughs> yeah. But if you were, if there wasn't an owner's up, how would you find them? So mm -hmm. most people would find maybe they're lucky enough to have friends like that, but guess what? Friends left, leave you off the hook, right? That's true. Because if, if I, it's my best friend, they're going through something. I'm like, oh, I understand. Oh, you're going through that. I'll let you pass, right? It's really hard when you know somebody. Yeah. So then mm -hmm. now how do you get somebody who's driven that it's not another job that you're kind of making them like you're already motivating yourself and now you have to cheer somebody else on? Yes. So mm -hmm. that's hard part and sometimes you're kind of like in your echo chamber right what i mean yeah, by that is exactly. like same thoughts same perspective there's nothing challenging you so you're surrounded mm -hmm. by a bunch of yes people that's not going to yes, get you absolutely. moving forward either mm -hmm. that's that's really that's really a great way to um put it all together it's accountability and sounding board you know the, all that care and affection <laughs> you cannot you really cannot involve your friends because they're too nice they love you too much they're not going to give you what you need and that feels like a very important necessary element when it comes to entrepreneurship you need to hear what you need to hear because otherwise you're not going to get around you that. call you out on your bs right <laughs> exactly exactly you need to, <laughs> It's too difficult to have that kind of, um, uh, to not have that kind of support when it comes to entrepreneurship, when it comes to startups. And um, I want to circle back a little bit to your first ad agency. And of course, you weren't, you didn't find all of these elements right away, right? But you did it in a year. You did it in a year, though, which is still just as impressive. But what were the obstacles? What were the things that you had to overcome throughout that? And how long did you really start building this kind of concept of accountability, sounding boards, and having that small community from starting from zero to a million? How long did that take you to kind of form up together? Oh, it's something I wish I would have had. I was working crazy hours, working mm -hmm. out, doing a bunch of things. And there was a time when one of my clients who was my client for like over three years, um, he got to a point where we had, he owed a hundred thousand dollars and what? I didn't know where to go for advice. 
Oh, wow. And so when I asked my family, you know, they're not entrepreneurs. They're like, oh, you should sue him. You should sue him. And I was like, okay. And then when I asked other business, uh, big business mentors, they're like, oh, um, maybe you should That's like, normal. they just gave me different advice. Yeah. They're like, hmm, do you have a legal in-house? I'm like, no, I don't have legal in-house. So I didn't know what to do. And I ended up suing. That actually is not the best advice. Um, because what ends up happening is you pay that much amount in legal fees and, um, the amount of time that you spend going back and forth and the amount of money you finally get back, you probably could have made that money back already. So it's just these little things that you learn. So that was a really hard one. And then navigating how to say no to, um, you know, friends and family wanted me to go here, but I had this deadline. How do you go about all of that? And it's all these conversations that I didn't have anyone to talk to. The only people that I knew that were in the same situation were maybe competitors. And so I felt very alone. And then it mm -hmm. came to me when I was running, because at that time, you know, there wasn't many people doing marathons in their twenties. Now it looks like it, there's many more, but um, there wasn't as many people mm -hmm. and running a business and I couldn't find them. So then when I joined this, I was like, why don't I have this for business? How much time, agony, just like stress would have been relieved. And someone just called me on my BS or like telling me, you know, you could have done this more efficient and gave me advice that would have saved me so much time. Mm -hmm. So for example, go ahead, please. Yeah. we have a member who came to us. He was growing very quickly. He was about $300,000 annually. And he came to us and he's like, I just want my life back. He goes, I don't even want to grow anymore. I'm at capacity. I'm working like 70 hour weeks. I have two mm -hmm. kids and I'm exhausted. And even though I'm present with them, like I'm there with them, I'm not present in my head. I'm thinking about my business. Things need mm -hmm. to change. I need to get sleep. Mm -hmm. And so what we ended up doing is we ended up realizing that he could actually delegate. And we okay. pay, we had him like, um, we held him accountable because he did not want to do this in the beginning. We had him hire other people and then we had him working 30 hours a week. Now that constraint of 30 hours a mm -hmm. week mm -hmm. forces you to be more creative, right? Because now you're like, okay, I only have 30 hours a week. If I want to get all this done, I need to either hire this person, delegate this, do a bunch mm -hmm. of things. And then what mm -hmm. ended up happening, he doubled his business and is working 30 hours a week. But some of it is just a mindset issue, right? Because mm -hmm. to him, how the heck is he going to grow his business if he's working 70 hours and now I'm going to tell him to work 30 hours? There's no way. Exactly. In his mindset, exactly. no way. No way. Because that's what most normal entrepreneurs or regular entrepreneurs start to go through, right? They, they have this like this fire to just like go, 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 and then expand too quickly and they they don't know anything else. They don't know any better. They, they, they've mm -hmm. gotten used to just putting all those 12 hours in, putting all that time in, and just losing their life. And yeah. you went through that. And that's something that you, I feel like, is, is something that you are sharing right now. And I feel like it's something that everyone needs to hear. Everyone needs to talk about that. Yours feel like a unique background in the sense of you took in your experience from being an athlete, your physical activity, and to now 
I love that it's always founded on values. It's always founded on, you know, having that intimate team around you. I love that so much. Um, Tanya, we are nearing the end of this, but I always like to kind of like wrap this up in this way of the future. How are you seeing the future when it comes to entrepreneurial support? What are looking ahead? What are your aspirations? You know, how do you see the landscape of entre this industry evolving? What role of ownership can you know play in this future? And how do you think it can address the needs of future entrepreneurs seeking balance and success? Yeah, absolutely. It's if COVID taught us anything. It's that humans need a lot of connection. Even introverts were like, woo, I love this time. Now it's a little too much for me, right? And so that, like with AI coming, everyone's like AI, AI, which is great, but you still need human to human interacting, That's understanding, true. understanding those feelings. So I don't think, I think groups are going to be more important than ever. And I think that communities overall are going to be great, but we need to actually connect in another level. And be vulnerable and starting off life with what are your values? What is it that you really want? I was on a call with another entrepreneur and they're like, Oh, I want to do a startup. I want to grow this. And I'm like, and they just had, they just had a little one that's turning two. And I was like, okay, well that's going to take, if you want to grow quickly, it's going to, there's a cost to it. Yes. Absolutely. Now, what do you really want? Why are you achieving this? Are you trying to prove something? Is there like, you're doing an impact? Is it because uh, you want more freedom for your family? So how can you create that without mm -hmm. at a cost to your family, if that's mm -hmm. it? So wow. that's a big I one for that. me. Creating that without a cost to your life, to your family, to your values. To your um, health. Well, Everyone is like, they health. assume that your health is like, once your health goes, you're going to be wishing it goes back, right? A lot of people get Absolutely. a lot of scares. You cannot take that back, actually, once yeah. you start losing that. So it's, it's, it's easier to address it now than wait for it to get really bad. I'm really glad yours didn't get so bad. You were still able to, you know, yeah. su succeed and achieve a lot of these things. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're closing a little bit, but I still want to ask about that, like your bone disease. Like, what is it now? What's happening? Are you okay? Have you broken any other bones? I hope not. Uh, so when I moved to Minneapolis, I slipped on black ice and fractured both oh, my wrists when oh, I had a five month old. So that was oh, a fun little challenge. But since then I haven't broken any bones and I work out and I continue to eat. That's one of those things where it's, um, I make it a priority. So there's three things I make priority, um, making an impact, uh, my health and my family. And wow. just like, Whatever. like I keep saying constraints are your best friend and the last tip, if people want to really focus in, because right now your attention is getting stolen every single moment on social media everywhere. It's getting hijacked. And mm -hmm. so how to focus in is what I call it a wrap, right? R is for reflect. Actually review what you did that day. Because sometimes you finish a day and you're just like, what the heck did I accomplish? And other days when you write it down, you're like, damn, I accomplished a lot. Or you start looking at the stuff you accomplish and you start realizing mm -hmm. that, um, I didn't actually need to do this. This was a waste of time or I should have delegated. So you yeah. need to start getting aware of how you're spending your time. 
A is for assess. So assess, assess. your day one to five. If five was an awesome day, write in why. The best thing about this is you're going to start seeing patterns of what you think is a five, and then you get to reverse engineer those days. So all the fives, you start seeing the patterns, and then you design your day out of that. Mm-hmm. And then P and is prioritize. All right. Yeah, prioritize. So you write the three things you can get done before 12 p.m. And I put a constraint there. I didn't say the whole day, right? I made it so it's really consistent that you can win your day no matter what. And it makes you say like, oh, three hours. If I only had three hours, let's say you're working nine to 12, what can I actually get accomplished? I would actually move my business. So it makes you think differently instead of looking at your Mm to-do list, like all these things, like most things on your to-do list, you can probably delegate or have somebody else. That's true. That is true. Um, Tanya, what a great way to wrap this up. (laughs) R-A-P, review the day for our audience and listeners out there. Review the day, assess your day, rate it one to five, and prioritize before 12 p.m. Tanya, I'd like to provide you this opportunity. Uh, You have been lovely. Tell us where we can find you, where we can connect with you. uh, where else can we find about ownership and what are the new things that you are planning and anything else that you would like the audience to know? Yeah, absolutely. So if any of you guys want something that I think mean, anybody should have is it's called um, hiring a virtual assistant. Even when you're mm-hmm. starting a business, you should hire. We are not a VA service, but we will give you the whole playbook on how to understand what tasks to delegate which, how to manage them, and then also how to hire them. Super important. I think that when you're starting your business, that's a first one of the first things you can do to get it moving mm-hmm. forward. Um, so you can DM me on my Instagram, Tanya C. Alvarez, and mention this podcast, and I'll give you the whole playbook. And then also you can find me on LinkedIn at Tanya mm-hmm. Alvarez or Owners Up. All right, fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here. Connect with Tanya, catch her. And if you're looking for a work-life balance, not just work-life balance, a work-life fusion, overcome everything. Tanya, thank you so much for bringing us your wisdom, your time with us today. And for all our audience and listeners out there, make sure you connect with us and connect with Tanya. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. All right, so here's the thing. We try to get a little bit better every day, but we can't do it without you. So if you like the video, make sure to like and subscribe below. And if you have any comments, just leave them in the space under.